Okay, how are you? Come on, how are you? <laughs> Hopefully better. Oh, it's fun yesterday. I, I want to share a story. Um, man, we, we filled up uh, an SUV and a, and a trailer uh, last week and sent it to Mexico. It made it through customs, so our church in Mexico and uh, the kids club there have a ton more things. So thank you for your generosity and everybody that supported that. Um, but then yesterday, we got to serve the schools, and we did uh, a very prestigious job. We picked up trash. That's all we did. So I want to tie in a story that I shared with the team before we went out yesterday. And, and I know the team that went out yesterday, we, we shared, like, that might seem mundane. It might seem insignificant. Um, but, but the reality is we were the hands and the feet of Jesus yesterday. And, and even in the mundane things, uh, you're serving a purpose for the kingdom to advance. So basically, this, we partnered with the schools, and, and I love Steve, uh, his, his heart. If we want to reach nec- the next generation, we want to reach the children, let's, let's bless and partner and, and pour into our schools and our school system. So that's what we've been doing, and it's opened up these incredible doors with the youth ministry and, and others, and, and even the coffee shop in Tiana serving into their Hope Squad, and so many cool things of just literally like an open door to the counselors and everybody who are there. So when I first started going to our church in Mexico, we stayed at the mission there, and um, it's, we kind of jokingly call it the compound, and it's this two-acre lot all fenced in. It was in the desert, and Ken and Yolanda bought this, this, this facility, this, this property in the desert, and it just had brush and briars and rocks, and the first few teams who came, and, and every time we bring a big team there, she goes over the rules because uh, we're staying in the dorms there, and now our church also meets on that complex in the chapel, and uh, they have, it's, a, it's a very large place with lots of buildings now and dormitories and a cafeteria and everything. At any rate, when we bring teams there, one of the things that we do, the first thing we do is sit down, and she shares the vision. She shares the history of the, light, the Lighthouse mission there. And, and she goes into this story of, of basically, like the first teams who came, they were literally clearing rocks and thorns and thistles and weeds from the property. Then the next teams begin to work the ground. Then the next teams poured a foundation. Then the next teams would, would lay a block or, or a couple uh, uh, courses of block, right? And, and it's amazing. She says every one of those were needed to advance the kingdom for what we're doing now. And she goes, she's like, those, those kids and those, those adults and those teams that were picking up rocks and getting bloody, clearing out thistle and thorns, were paying a price so that a legacy could be left. And I've heard a story like once when you're laying bricks, and, and it's the same thing there, and it's the same thing in the schools, it's the same thing in our life. Some people may look at it like we're laying a block. Others with maybe a little bit greater vision are we're building a wall. And in others with a little bit greater vision, we're building a building or a chapel or down there uh, something. But then the greatest vision is we're building a legacy. Because without those one little steps and without picking up trash yesterday at the schools, legacy may not happen with the doors that are opening to share the gospel and who Jesus really is. So the next serving opportunity, we'd love to invite you in. And it may be mundane. It may be after church today, just rolling a fence is what we're doing because of the rain yesterday. So it might be something that you think is so simple. Well, I want to be on a stage. I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I feel like God's called me to preach the gospel. Well, start by taking out the trash. Start by cleaning a toilet. Start by picking up a, a, a wrapper in the parking lot, like whatever it might be. But that's, I, I've often had people ask that as teenagers when we were youth pastors. And I jokingly said, but seriously, like what can I do? Where do I start by, by, by being on the stage? I said, take out the trash and preach to trees. Like that's what I tell them. Like practice by, by speaking to trees or, or speaking to yourself in a mirror and take out trash and just serve. 
And I loved, I love serving, I, and I shared this when I was in Mexico a couple weeks ago. I love putting up barbed wire and getting bloody. I love helping Anna Leah pick up a tire yesterday out of a creek at the schools. I love that stuff because for me, like, I don't want, this, this is fun. I love preaching, but I'll be honest with you, I, I usually have more fun outside of here. Meeting somebody for coffee, serving, picking up trash at a school. And, and, and it creates these opportunities. I got to hang out with Cliff for about 20 minutes afterwards and just hear part of his story and hear part of his dreams. And, and, and it just, I don't know, I could talk, I should have probably just done the whole message on it, but I'm not. So that was literally just no intro, nothing, just we had fun yesterday. We picked up trash, and it was awesome. So, all right, we got a few things coming up. The Send uh, is coming up, so if you don't know what that is, it's in Kansas City, ton of believers, uh, it's going to be fun. So check that out, it's in Kansas City, uh, not this coming weekend, but the next one, the following. And I do know the worship team, I think they're going to be trying to stream it here. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in that. All right, one thing I don't think that made the announcements or I just wasn't paying attention, National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. And uh, we are part of that planning process in the community of churches that are in Tip City and the surrounding area. So we are meeting at the roller mill at noon this Thursday to pray and uh, to pray for the government, to pray for our city, to pray for the schools, to pray for businesses. Uh, so we gather every year, about a dozen or more of us pastors plan this, and uh, so we're part of this, and uh, each person kind of takes a turn praying for a, a sphere of influence in our culture. So anyway, Thursday noon at, uh, at the roller mill. Oh, okay, that's it. Okay, Josh Haas preached a fun message last week on hope. Okay, he tied it all in, and, and the title of the message was After Easter, okay? So today's going to be After Easter After, okay? That's going to be the title today. I'm just kidding. We might try to be more creative than that. After Easter Continued, maybe. So anyway, and uh, I know Josh was talking about tying in hope, and, and I just I want to thank Josh because um, he talked about optimism and pessimism, pessimism, and as those were coping mechanisms, really, that the true hope comes from Jesus, right? But I just want to thank him for saying optimism was best and better. And because he mentioned optimism 23 times in his message, and he only mentioned pessimism uh, five times. So I just want to thank you for that, Josh. Thank, thank you for proving by word and deed that optimism is, is better. I'm just kidding. I didn't count those words. I just made that up. So it's like, I'm going to give you a hard time. So if you weren't here last week or you didn't tune in uh, through the live stream later, uh, Nicole and I go back and forth. She was naturally born a pessimist. She's a recovering pessimist, okay? Uh, and, and I am a thriving optimist, okay, who's occasionally let down. She's a pessimist that's always uh, surprised with hope, okay? So anyway, uh, we were like, I'd rather live this way and occasionally let down than live in misery my whole life. So it's like this bicker that we do, and uh, so Josh brought that up. So anyway, but he talked about even with Peter, and we're gonna, I'm going to mention Peter today, and we're going to get into some things, but uh, Josh did say he's walked on water, but it was frozen, so appreciated that. Uh, but anyway, he just he tied in Easter and who Jesus is. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, today Jesus is still resurrected and alive. Not just two weeks ago. He's still good. And, and when I preached on Easter, we talked about the promises and, and a few of the promises of, of him coming to the earth through the Virgin Mary, through his crucifixion, the promise of his resurrection, and the promise of his return. And it's cool, Bravehearts, uh, a few folks from Braveheart are here. Some of us core leaders were going through the Braveheart series, Back to the Garden. And it's so cool, like, what the Lord is revealing to each of us and how deep it's taking us as a, as a leader team. And, uh, but I want to just continue that of, like, what now? So turn with me to Acts 1. 
How many know there's still a promise of Jesus' return? Your debt's been paid. You're free, right? <laughs> he already resurrected. He's alive. The tomb was empty, right? And now we still have hope and not only forgiveness and redemption and eternity, but we also have hope of his return. So we're just going to kind of continue on, and this is somewhat leading up to, the, uh, to Pentecost Sunday, and uh, we're, we're going to confront that. How many are excited for the, the Holy Spirit? Yeah, he gets to dwell in us, around us, through us, and, and pour out and, and fill us up and, and be in us and upon us. And uh, so I'm excited over the next few weeks to, to press into that and offer us the opportunity to just be filled and baptized in his spirit. But Acts 1, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen disciples further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift of, that, he, that he, he prophesied. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. There should be an amen there. That promise is for us still. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Throughout Judea, say Judea. In Samaria, there we go, we're on it, and to the ends of the earth. Very good. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they would no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising in the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. There, right? Again, reiterating the promise of his return. So the, the, the affirmation, the, the acknowledgement that you're going to be, his spirit's going to be poured out. We get to Acts 2. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. But, but we get to Acts 2 where the spirit was fully poured out, right? In the upper room, the day of Pentecost came. They started speaking in other languages. Amazing, right? So today, I really want to talk about this, this concept of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, and I want to go through the process of a, of a man named Philip the Evangelist, all right? And I've been studying him for a few months now and, and leaning into that. And I'll be honest, it, it, it seems very impressive, but he's actually only mentioned in the Bible like three times. That was the cutest sneeze ever. <laughs> Bless you, Brittany. Her birthday was yesterday. That was the post-birthday sneeze. So... Some can, let, let, let's just continue on here. And then I want to go through the life of Philip a little bit. And, and I want to say, like, essentially where we're going to get to is one encounter with Jesus changes you forever. And, and then it becomes who we are. I, I remember talking to Bruce a couple of months ago, and, and he was talking about his children in athletics and high school and college athletics. And uh, our daughters are in volleyball. Thank you for your grace for letting us travel and minister to our family by supporting them on the weekends and not being here as much on Sundays this season. Uh, so we don't take that for granted. You guys are loving and kind and gracious, and we have so many amazing speakers here that we get to actually minister our family and support them. 
And that means so much to us. So, thank you. One. <sighs> Meeting with Bruce. And he's like, he's like, if I had it to do over again, I would have just switched to focus a little bit that my, my sons, my children, were, were Christians who competed in athletics versus athletes who were Christians. And knowing that our identity doesn't come from a game, and uh, I got to take my daughter Evelyn, she, she's constantly listening to, to messages online, and Billy Graham and Tim Tebow are like her two heroes. She loves uh, their, their evangelist hearts and, and their, their heart for missions and different things. So uh, he happened to be in Troy this week doing a, a speaking engagement, so I took her and surprised her, and, and we went, and, and he was just basically saying that I don't want to be known for somebody who just will always be introduced as receiving the Heisman Trophy or won a national championship. I'm a, basically saying I'm a son of God. My identity is in Christ. And he talked about success, not, he talked about significance, not just success. Significance involves others, success is about yourself. He's like, one's not wrong, it's just the other's better and you want both. So it was just this thing of like, today that's where we're going to get of like significance about others, but, but I can't give something I don't have. And the only way that I can receive to give is, is I receive grace, I give grace. I receive love, I give love. So what happens is all of a sudden I encounter Jesus of who he really is. Not what I've been told about, not the TV version of Jesus, not the, not the tainted version of Jesus, not the hypocrisy version of Jesus, the real, loving, amazing Father and Creator and Messiah. And when I encounter Him, then all of a sudden I go to all the parts of the world and all these places in between, then all of a sudden I can give something that I've received. So I want to just digest this just for a little bit here, about 25 minutes and 27 seconds, Lord willing give or take 20. So some can interpret that as, as basically Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the parts of the world. It could be local, maybe state or regional, then maybe national and international. Some, some may interpret it and, and love to hold on to, well, it was the place where Jesus was executed, where, where in Judea, where his ministry was rejected, or in Samaria, where, where really the disciples and apostles didn't even want to go, right? Because it was a place they were looked down upon, or maybe the ends of the earth then were just the two complete strangers. Well, I want to propose this today, not that either, any of those are wrong, but I want to propose this, that Jerusalem comes from, uh, in that context, comes from the root word ecclesiola, which is little church or family. And so in the Jewish culture, that was kind of blended, actually. They did church as family, and they did family as church. And when they were meeting church, kids were running around, and much of this was together. So I want to propose that Jerusalem may be our home, not just our physical home, but also our church home. Listen, I don't live here, but I call it my home. So I want to say and propose that Jerusalem may be our home, whereas uh, Judea is our neighborhood, right? The people that are closest to us in proximity. And then possibly Samaria is where we least want to go, or least comfortable or most challenged. And then the ends of the earth is everywhere we go. Not just internationally, yes, it's included in that, but the grocery store, my work, everywhere I go. And I want to put it in just a little bit of context in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. All right? So I want to tie that in because to the ends of the earth is everywhere we go, everywhere we are. In our going, we make disciples. Okay? So, so let me just read that to catch some folks up that who may have not have heard it. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, I love this part because everything starts with Jesus. 
Our ministry starts with Jesus. Our, our life starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus, right? So, so here's the thing. When they saw him, they worshiped. In our going, we start in worship. Remember the, the vision, the mission of Upper Room is worship, grow, go. Every bit of growing and going comes from worship, comes from first our ministry to the Lord. So, so this thing of they saw him, they worshiped. And then it says this, and Jesus came and said, it said, but some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's saying all the authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And now he's saying, now he's commissioning them and giving that authority. And it says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. So going also involves being the example, going from worship, teaching them, being the example, teaching them and to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age, to the ends of the earth for the end of, to the end of age. Okay, so there's this connection here that we're going based on the goodness of Jesus. You know, yesterday we were picking up trash, but did you know the word says it's the kindness of God that lead men to repentance? There may be somebody out there that maybe thought we weren't community service workers and we were just out with trash bags doing good things. I don't know. Maybe they'll see a post or something. For a second, I was like, they're all going to think we're just like community service with the county today. <laughs> we're, we're the probation folks today, and that's okay. But those things open the door. Those, those things open the door to say, wow, they follow through with what they say they're going to do. This church has character. It's integrity. They're actually more about their building and more about their people and more about growing the inside of this place. And they're also about the community. I, I once heard you could be so in, inwardly bound, you're, you're externally deficient. Or you could be so externally focused that you're inwardly bound. Let me, let me reword that. You could be so inwardly focused, you're externally bound. Or so externally focused, you're inwardly bound. The grow part is saying that we're healthy in here. What good is it to bring uh, a bunch of people in if we're just an orphanage? Or an upgrade from, from Cracker Barrel? Like, Jesus is here. We should be healthy. Jesus is here. We should be whole. Jesus is here. We should be full of joy and celebration and hope and peace, Right? That's his goodness, the hope of Jesus. He lives in us. He is the hope of glory. All right, let me move on. So the root of God is go. The root of the gospel is go. So go, make disciples. In our going, we make disciples. So let's, let's get to, to a few things here. Acts 4.13. Because some of you are saying, well, I'm not qualified. How do I do that? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Good news. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, especially for me, and where the Lord's taken me from and to. I love what Steve says. Steve says, God saves you from something to save you for something. Acts 4.13 says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, they were uneducated in Scripture, but it says, in common men. How many of you sometimes feel uneducated and just common? This church is full of just common folk. But how many knows he makes nobodies into somebodies? He takes zeros and makes them heroes. <laughs> Be lying if I didn't feel and say to you that I don't always feel common. I always feel that none of this is me. I couldn't say a speech in front of a senior class. <laughs> it says, but they were astonished. And here's what it says. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. 
I love that part. They were uneducated and common men, but they were astonished by what they were seeing. It says, and they could tell, basically, they had been with Jesus. You may be common. You may be thinking you're not worthy or you're not holy, but guess what Jesus says you are? You may think you're not good enough or you're not educated enough or you're not, you're not, you're not mature in Christ enough, but let me just say this. Jesus can use you because you've been with Jesus. And when he gets in you, all of a sudden, he wants to get out of you. I, 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 I'm not educated in, in scripture as much as some like Steve Justice. And man, I, I meet with James Foreman. He's got this hunger for the word. He'll bring this big commentary with him. Sometimes we'll study the scripture and like go through some of this. But, but man, I, I, I don't have that background, but I've been with Jesus. I don't have that background, but I said yes. So then you get to Peter, right? So Peter, he's, this, he's kind of this wild man. Oftentimes, like, Peter's asking the questions, but John's leaning into the bosom of Jesus, right? But Peter preaches the first message. Peter's walked on water, right? Peter, Peter cut the ear, the ear off of the soldier to defend and, like, stick up for Jesus, right? Like, Peter's this wild man, but yet he goes through, he preaches the first sermon at the, at the first organized church after Jesus ascended, right? And there's this, this thing of miracles, signs, and wonders following Peter. Even in his shadow, people are healed. Why? Because Peter had been with Jesus, it wasn't, he didn't study theology, he wasn't a Pharisee, he wasn't from that, that, that type of inheritance, but he had been with Jesus, so his inheritance changed. L- l- let me carry on. So, so maybe you're not educated in Scripture, maybe you're just feeling common. But let me, let me just say this, though. You said yes? You said yes? And Jesus transforms us? And all of a sudden, we're no longer common, we're pretty uncommon. We're a peculiar people. We're a remnant. We're different. We're weird. <laughs> we're no longer natural. We're supernatural. That's our identity. Our identity isn't to be a common man. I don't want to be known as a common man, uneducated. I kind of want to be known as a man after God's heart or, or a man that had been with Jesus or a lover of Jesus or a worshiper, right? That's what Jesus does. All this other stuff, it really doesn't matter. Me being a lieutenant at a fire department at the, in eternity, that's not going to matter, right? <laughs> All these other titles, it's not going to matter. Possessions aren't going to matter. What matters is, man, we get to spend eternity and the glory face-to-face with Jesus. Wow, what a promise. So what's it look like? Go with me to Acts 6, 1 through 7. How many are excited you get to change your family tree? Amen. I look at somebody like Tiana who's just killing it in life and changing her family tree, staying married to her husband, my best friend. I look at some of you and just know your story. I'm like, man, you're breaking the generational curse. You're breaking off things because of the power of Jesus in you. Because your identity isn't wrapped up in what you do, it's who you are. You're breaking off things because Jesus already broke it off and you're just realizing it. You're giving your kids a chance to have something none of you had. Maybe a home. Parents stay together. Parents love each other. Maybe some of you are getting a redo at that. That's great. Maybe some of you are doing it now as grandparents or soon to be or will eventually do it as grandparents. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Now, 
I was particularly drawn to Philip because later we're going to read he has four daughters. <laughs> so he grabbed my attention. I was like, this Philip, he, he must be a pretty cool guy, must know how to deal with a little drama. <laughs> Today, I'm sitting in my study chair and it's just under the stairs and the kids, they get up and we have, we have seven, see if I can get this right, currently 11, now 13 as of last week and 15. Nailed it. So we have this, and I start hearing this morning, and I start hearing this word, is it okay if I say it? Chicken nuggets. And I'm like, and I hear chicken nuggets again. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, stop it! One more time! And I'm like doing the Walmart thing. One more time, we're going to leave. I swear, one more time, we're going to leave. Then they never leave. And you just hear them yelling through Walmart the entire rest of the 20 minutes. You're suffering through that. I shop them all. I'm not going to discriminate. I hear stuff at Target too, all right? Don't be all hidey-tidy on me. So anyway, I'm doing that thing. And I'm like not wanting to leave the chair. I'm trying to finalize the notes and like get prepared and get my heart right. I'm like, shut up! I didn't really say that, but that was basically what was coming out. And I hear, chicken nuggets. I'm like, Nicole comes down. I was like, what's, what's chicken nuggets? She's like, oh, we had a conversation last night on the way to my mom and dad's that when sometimes you feel scared or like somebody's going to erupt, we just say chicken nuggets and they're supposed to calm down. It's supposed to be a reset word. <laughs> like, couldn't we have chose a better one like pineapple? Like safe word? So, so it's chicken nuggets. So then finally I start going, chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets. So now they're saying chicken nuggets to me because I'm erupting like a volcano. So Philip, he grabbed my attention. I was like, he must live in a life of some chicken nuggets. So Acts 6, 1 through 7. So the church is growing. The church is exploding. Signs and wonders, right? Uh, even after the day of Pentecost, they went into the city, went into the streets, and thousands were added to them daily, right? So we get to this section, and now it's getting a little overwhelming. So there's, there's some additional structure of the church being added, okay? So we're going through right here, right now, an upper room. So it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. <laughs> They're seeing signs and wonders and thousands of people added. Human beings, right? We're human. Complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them the responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, finally a normal one, of Antioch. If you think I butchered those, word, those names, I'm certain I did, but let's just see how many of you would do it better. An earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them. They laid ha their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So we get to Philip here, Philip the evangelist, first time he's mentioned, okay? This is different than Philip the apostle. 
So Philip the Evangelist is mentioned here. He's now one of the seven. Some may refer to them as deacons, okay? So they're now uh, creating more structure of a church, but responsibility. That's the thing I see, like, there's this balance in leadership or serving or anything, responsibility and authority. Some people want authority, and they want to sit at the table, make decisions, do things, be on this stage, whatever, but yet they don't want the responsibility. You, you, you have both. Equal responsibility comes with equal authority. Equal authority comes with equal responsibility. And some people, they just love to serve. They just want responsibility. Well, at times, you need to make some decisions, too, and lead, and actually have, have that, 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 those conflicts and those, those um, healthy confrontations, right? That, that's authority. So anyway, we get to this point. So now we fast forward, okay? And we go to Acts 8. And I love this. And we're going to start at verse 1 and skip around just a little bit. We're going to read much of Acts 8. So get there. If you don't have a Bible or a phone with a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Okay, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. This was the time they were living in, like... A little different than our persecution for the most part, right? True persecution. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. In this season, in this environment, in this atmosphere, in this time in history for the church, it says the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Why? Because they said yes. Because they had been with Jesus. They had encountered Jesus, let's say. They had received Jesus, so now they have something good to talk about, no matter what's going on around them. Anybody? No matter what pandemic's going on around them, no matter what political crisis is going on, no matter what war, no matter what thing, they still preach the good news of Jesus. Because he's good regardless of our situation, regardless of the world, regardless of the agendas being pushed. He's still good. He still has a plan. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. About Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, here we go. Second time he's mentioned, only of three times total. Went down and, oh wait, skipped a page. To the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message. Now, I want to bring something to your attention. Philip is in the church, basically, when they pick him as, as let's say, a deacon. They, they pick the seven, so they're in that realm. They're in, they're in the place with the apostles, right? Now he's out in the community, and he's out in the streets preaching. And it says, his message in the sea miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. We get a little freaked out if we see a flag in worship service. Imagine seeing this, demons leaving people screaming. I was telling, I was telling Nicole, Chloe and I, we went to the, last weekend, we Chloe and I were in Indianapolis for the weekend for a tournament. She was in Lima with Olivia for a different tournament. So, so anyway, Chloe and I got into this talk. So I got time for a rabbit trail. 
We're pulling out of the Indiana State Fairgrounds, and we're on our way home, and all these police cruisers start flying by us. And I was like, Chloe, you kind of want to do a nerd thing? She's like, yeah. We find the police scanner. What's going on? And it's like active shooter, call homicide, all this stuff. I was like, oh, oh, dear Lord. So I start telling Chloe in the beautiful, peaceful city of Troy the murders that my brother and I have been on. And there was one particular that I share that Matt had just shared the week prior, and I shared a story. So I tell Nicole, I was like, yeah, I told, this is what happened. And so I started telling Chloe some of the gunshots I've been on. And uh, it is great, though, that we live in a city, like in a career, we each have one or two total. So that's awesome, because Matt's pushing 23 years at the fire department. I'm at 20 on Thursday. I hit 20. So, so at any rate, Nicole's like, you did what? That is so violent. I was like, have you read your Bible? <laughs> like, she is 15. She's like, you, sh- you can't be telling them that. I was like, we called, we, Lave was in town once, Lave Hetland, and a group of us guys, my dad, brother, I, Lave, a couple others maybe, we're going to go see a movie. So Papa Jack Taylor, he was alive then, and, he, and uh, he's a mov- he was like a movie buff. He and Frida would go watch movies all the time. So, so he calls him, he's like, Lave, I forget, do you remember what the movie was? Anybody? Was it? Okay, so he calls Papa Jack. He's like, is this appropriate? Like, it seems pretty gruesome and, and violent. And Papa Jack says, have you read your Bible, Leif? Are you too soft? So, so anyway, all that to say, look at this stuff. We get, we get a little weirded out by some flags or maybe art on the stage or these things or we start seeing somebody, like, fall in the spirit because they can't contain his presence anymore and we get a little weirded out when the Bible's talking about all of this. So, moving on. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. How many know that God's spirit is more powerful than any magic or deception out there? But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. A result... Many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Now, I'm just here to tell you, because we're about to continue to read on, Philip was probably known as just a common man. He's picked to distribute and help with a food program and help distribute some of the responsibility of the church, and now he's in the streets doing this, discipling people, baptizing people, sharing the good news, doing signs, wonders, and miracles, right? So let's skip down. Um, Peter, John, Simon, they all kind of do some things, and now they're, they're journeying off. And then we get to verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is pretty cool. I want to minister to people that don't always think like me. I want to actually reach (laughs) non-Christians. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. I want to be so full of Jesus, I just want to share the good news with everybody around. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the, the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. All right. I've been praying for years for teleportation. Just like Josh has been praying to walk on water. So far, only effective on ice. I'm like, I want to be teleported. And it, the closest I've gotten is like sometimes in the morning, I'll drive from like the house to work. I'm like, what just happened? How did I get here? Did I run any stoplights? Hope everything was cool. I remember when I worked in Dayton in business, like Nicole, we, we went on a call a few weeks ago, and somebody basically fell asleep at the train tracks and was just sleeping. So a, a cell phone caller called us, we went and checked on, they were just, they just fell asleep, all right? Nicole's like, how could somebody do that? Because I was like, I thought maybe it was a drug over there or something, so I went to assist. And uh, she's like, how could somebody just fall asleep? I was like, I used to do it all the time. I used to drive on Needmore Road, and there was a stoplight in front of where Meyer uh, grocery store used to be. It's no longer there. And that thing would turn red, and I'd just be on my way to work. And I'd wake up, and like people honking. I was like, oh, light's green. Let's go. <laughs> so I've been praying for teleportation, especially some of those long flights. I remember going to Norway. I was like, please, Lord, just teleport me. Just, just take me there. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way re rejoicing. Meanwhile... Philip found himself farther north to the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Okay, this is amazing. Now we go to Acts 21. He is not mentioned again until here. And this is the final mentioning of Philip the evangelist. And this, honestly, for me, one of my favorite parts. I love preaching in the church. I love ministering. I love being a pastor. I, I, I love it. Like, I genuinely love it. Uh, the last seven to ten years, I have just fallen in love with, with being used and being uh, just, honestly, I'm so humbled by the way that the Lord used me. I stand in worship most Sundays just totally being in awe of God and how he's using me everywhere, including here. And I love it. But I love being used at the fire department, too. And I love being the guy that guys might be comfortable to come to or sharing the stories or last week I was training and I was like I was talking about different ways to fight fire and different tactics and new tactics versus old tactics and I went and talked to them I said in my world we I call this in the in ministry call it generational convergence and we call it we use the word discipleship so I'm tying this in in my training at the fire department, talking about the younger generation, valuing the maturity and the experience of the older generation, and yet the older generation not getting irritated by the younger generation asking questions and actually giving them good answers and being challenged. And there's this, there's this thing of like this generational convergence in the church that the younger should have this hunger to be discipled and mentored and learn how to pray from, from, from the, the more mature in the church, Right? While the more mature in the church knows their significance and knows their value and knows why they're still here, we don't have to just say, well, it's time for the younger generation to serve in the nursery. No, I can't wait till I'm not doing as much as this anymore to go hold a baby or serve coffee or open a door. Like, if I'm here, if you're here, you have significance and purpose, and I don't care your age. Lola, she's probably the most mature here, comes every week with Donna. You have purpose. You have significance. 
You're an encouragement. Every time we hug on a Sunday, I feel the love and the nurture and the nourishment that you provide as a mom and a grandma here. And I value that. I value after losing a husband, a child, and a grandchild, and knowing that, 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 that hurt and what it must feel like to still say God is so good and have your faith. I want that. As a young man, I want that. So I love the ability to pastor here. I love the ability to pastor at a, at a fire department and be a light and let my character shine and reveal the kindness and the goodness of God. But let me just tell you where my heart is. After ministry to Jesus, my most important ministry is my home. And the most powerful disciples I'll personally raise are my four little girls. So we have a church here that actually champions that and encourages that and sets up leadership structures so that we're not just goals-driven and numbers-driven. We don't take attendance here, as weird as that might seem. We don't care. If the presence of Jesus is here and we're two or three are gathered in his name, his presence, he'll be here. It might take two or three for a church service, but it only takes one for a worship service. So our priority is a little different than some churches of, of stacking up numbers and how many services can we do and how many people... Listen, if God's here, that's the only thing that matters and people who want to run after him the way we're running after him will be here. And those who don't want it, that version, there's a ton of amazing churches out there. I'm friends with most of their pastors. Here's what it says, and I'm just going to skip straight to verse 8. So basically, Paul is on this journey. The team's kind of moving out. They're spreading the word, right? And it says, The next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. Here's where my heart is. He had four unmarried daughters who all had the gift of prophecy. So Philip, he's in the church, he's in the streets, he's baptizing a eunuch, he's teleported, he's, he's preaching these messages and sharing the gospel, he's, he's doing signs, wonders, and miracles, but yet his four daughters all have a gift from the Holy Spirit, meaning he's also ministered in his home. Amen. Meaning that his ministry in his home was just as valuable and taken up, and 20 years later, he's mentioned for the third time, after that experience of being teleported, right? 20 years later, now he's in his home. And he's still mentioned as distributing food. He's doing it all. I, I want to just challenge us in this place that I love the verse in the Bible and I love the challenge where it talks about whole house salvation. And, and I believe it's a little more expanded than what we think of our physical home. I, I don't want to be a guy just with a microphone, just to be honest with you. I want to be a guy picking up trash at a school. I want to be a guy putting up barbed wire and getting his hands bloody at a, at a, at a mission in Mexico. I want to be a guy that's meeting a guy privately for coffee to... Talk to him about the hope of Jesus so he doesn't commit suicide. And I want to be the guy who my girls and my closest family and the ones that know my true integrity and character in my chicken nugget moments still say, my dad loves me and my dad loves Jesus and he loved Jesus more than anything on this planet. And he's proud of me. That's the Jesus in me. That's... That was my yes. That's your yes. Your yes is beyond what you can get here on earth. Your yes is, an, is, a, is a legacy. Your yes is an inheritance. Your yes to worship him flows out. Listen, we, we are filled up to, to leak out. Our cup runneth over so we can leak out and overflow onto others. That's our cup. That's our yes. That's our Jesus because he's that good. Let me, let me close this out. 
I am definitely closing here. I promise. And it's to leak out everywhere. Um, this is just a reference for you. Some of this, uh, I, we used to really be big in this in the youth ministry, still are, uh, but our impact just a little different in helping guide kids, career paths, colleges, what that looks like. Had somebody ask me to write them a college recommendation once. They wanted to be a social worker, and I was like, well, where do you want to go to school? Can you? And they're asking me to write them a recommendation for a school that's $50,000 a year to be a social worker. I was like, okay, let's do the math here. You're talking $200,000 to make that time, maybe 35 getting out, that's a long time grinding. I said, what's God calling you to? Well, I don't know. I just want to go to the school. I said, I'm not writing you a college recommendation letter. And I said, but I would to Edison or a local community college till you figure out what God wants in your life. And if God calls you there, I'll do it. But they couldn't clearly answer that. It wasn't about what school you want to go to, where God's calling you. So we would talk about the seven mountain prophecy and seven mountain spheres of influence. And Johnny Inlow wrote a book. So this is just a reference if you want to dive into that. Lance Wall now also confronts a lot of that as well. That you are Jesus to the people around you wherever you are. But we are called to mountains. And, we, and when I say, you know, that we share the good news no matter what's going on around us, we still share the good news no matter what's going on around us. It doesn't mean we don't stand up for the Christ agenda. And we have a voting thing, get registered to vote out there. We, we want you to be influencers because Jesus in you needs to get out of you. Jesus in this building needs to get out of this building to, to, to playgrounds picking up trash, to fire departments, to selling houses, to school rooms with teachers, to hospital rooms with nurses here. Like those are your spheres of influence. And, and so it talks about these seven mountains. So, so that is to the ends of the earth. That is everywhere. But, but you are called to these certain mountains. My, my wife, she doesn't have a second-class anointing by being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> she's got a master's degree. She is educated, <laughs> but she's also been with Jesus. <laughs> but she's not a second-class thing because of what you're doing. I, I took a pay cut from business to go serve at the fire department because I knew I was being called there. I knew that the Lord wanted to use me there, and I saw countless healings in the back of an Amos. I prayed with hundreds if not thousands of people in my career to lead them to comfort, to lead them to the goodness of God, to lead them to an encounter with Jesus, a healing, salvation. Nate and I, we got to hang out one day and we prayed for a drug addict. He's a police officer in the town I serve in. And, and we go out on this team for these people to overdose. And I prayed with this mom. Was it the mom or the person? Mom. I said, man, can I pray for you? We stood around, the counselor, him, me. We prayed for these people. That, that's God being so good in us, Jesus being so real and so powerful in us that he's being used through us. Let, let, let me move on here. Acts 16, 31 says this. I promise I'm, slow, I'm closing. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but 2 Samuel 6, 9 through 12, when they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, there was a mishap. So it ends up in Obed-Edom's house. And for three months, he hosted the Ark of the Covenant. And then it goes on, I'll, I'll just read uh, the last verse or so. The Ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's household for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. When we host his presence, 
when we host him, when we get filled up with him, we, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, upon us, all of a sudden, we're different. And I love this promise of whole house salvation. Whole house salvation, whole city salvation, whole community salvation, whole hospital salvation. Being saved, set free, delivered, healed. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. He asked, or do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. I believe whole house salvation is also us. Our body is the how we house the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of Jesus. So it's not just our physical homes and our metaphorical homes, it's also our ourselves. So then we get to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a promise of his coming, a promise of Jesus' return, and may you strive, may you, let me reword that, may you be filled with Jesus so much that you're blameless in your body, in your spirit, in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. It reminds me of the greatest commandment, love the Lord God with what? All your everything you have, mind, body, soul, spirit. That's whole house salvation. Man, when we get redeemed by the blood of the lamb, we get freed, when we, when we get sanctified, it is whole house salvation. I got cleaned out. For hours, I laid on a floor upon salvation. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was speaking in other languages, going, I was a mess. I was ugly crying, I was snotting all over the floor. Why? Because there was a house cleaning happening in me. There was something that was being torn out so that the mind of Christ and a heart after him would be implanted in. There was a heart transplant. There was a mind transplant. I was being renewed with a fresh mind, a fresh way of thinking. There was something that happened that was more powerful than I could ever imagine or believe in. I didn't even believe in God in that moment. But God... And suddenly, he is that good. Why don't you stand with me? I forgot we're doing communion. Let me just tie that in. So if you don't have communion, um, Josh is going to have it. Just raise your hand if you need communion. Cups. Um, Amanda beautifully presented this about who does communion here. Maybe you're visiting, maybe you're from another church, maybe you're a member of another church. That's, that's fine if you have reservations, but we invite you to take communion with us because we're one body in Christ. So if you feel comfortable with it, we would love to have you have communion with us and if you're joining online as well. Um, so and you can get something symbolic if you're watching online right now or through the week. Um, also, we allow children to take communion if they have understanding. And the Bible just says worthy. Do it worthily. Do it in remembrance of him. So you can't make yourself worthy. You can't do that. But if you believe Christ has cleansed you and redeemed you and made you worthy, you're worthy. Period. So that's what we do. And with children, we allow it. I know they're not in here today, but some people might be like, why are kids taking communion? It means they understand and we're cool with it. We just make sure they have understanding and they do it to remember Jesus.
So here's, here's what I feel. There was a house cleaning in me. I believe when the Bible talked about the blood of Jesus and, and him being the bread, the life, the bread of life, right? I believe the blood offers a cleansing, a covering, and a covenant. So, so today, there might need to be a cleansing in our hearts, in our minds, in our homes. I saw a statistic once of how much pornography are in Christian homes. Crazy. They were doing a study of um, internet use at a hotel during a Christian conference once. Mind-blowing. Maybe there needs to be a cleansing of purity in some homes and some hearts. Maybe there's just a cleansing of ailments or disease or, or whatever, word curses. Cleansings for, for everything, mind, body, and spirit, soul. So anyway, we're going to take the bread, and he is the bread of life. And man, he is so good. He was broken so that we could be whole. So just take your, your bread out, your little wafer. These are gluten-free, by the way. What I like to do with mine, I started this, they get a little messy. I like to break it. You just break it best you can. Jesus was broken so we could be whole. Jesus was broken so our homes could be whole. Jesus was broken so our bodies could be whole. Jesus was broken so his bride, the body, could be whole. His body was broken for bodies to be whole. So Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you that you were broken, Jesus. And we take this, Lord, as, as we remember you and we remember your body and the price you paid and how you were broken, not just two weeks ago, but for eternity. We're so grateful. Just in your own way, you can take that and just worship him for a moment and give him thanks. drop of Christ's blood than any sin, dominion, or lie that the enemy ever has to try to counterfeit. Just like Philip, there's more power in the miracle and the power of Jesus than a sorcerer and magic. So Lord, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cleansing power of your blood. We thank you for the covering of your blood. And we thank you for the connection and covenant of your blood. We thank you, Jesus. Jerusalem? Where is your Judea? Where's your Samaria? Where are your ends of the earth? And it's all around you. Our yes to Jesus changes legacies. Our yes to Jesus changes people around us. Our yes to Jesus, one encounter with him will change us forever. My one encounter with Jesus changed me forever. Now I get to live in this continual encounter, this continual upgrade from glory to glory. I love what Joseph Garlington says. He's like, you're meant for glory to glory and upgrade to upgrade and mountain to mountain, but there just might be hell in the hallway. Sometimes there's hell in the hallway, but man, you are meant to be from glory to glory. So where's your Jerusalem? Where's your Judea? Where's your Samaria? Where's your ends of the earth? Your yes changes things. 
me just pray for you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for, for your word, for your gospel, Lord, for your good news. We thank you for the stories that aren't just for yesterday, they're for today and forever. Lord, we thank you for the Phillips. We thank you for the demonstrations of your goodness, the demonstrations to, to minister in the church, to minister in the streets, and to minister in our homes, whatever those look like. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. We just pray that we invest in our homes and those that are closest to us, Lord, and you give us wisdom and creativity and, and power to love, Lord, that you fill us up, that we just leak out, that we just operate in the overflow, that in our going, we just make disciples wherever that is. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We have uh, prayer team members, and uh, man, there's some folks over here in Braveheart. They probably love to pray for you, but uh, we have prayer team members. If you need prayer for anything before you go, if, if you don't know Jesus as Messiah, if you've not had an encounter and you want an encounter, we invite you into that. They'll lead you through that. Jesus will heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll save you today. Whatever it is you need, maybe relational things, financial things, whatever, we invite you to pray. If you need prayer online, please email us, let us know, uh, or just make a comment, and our prayer teams will be praying for you. God bless you guys. We love you. Have an amazing Sunday. Happy May 1st.